0: Hello and welcome to a live popped culture on the program with Carrie Smith. I'm one of your hosts, Carrie, and I'm here with my co host, Mystery Chris. How are you, sir?
1: Hey, Carrie, I'm good. How are you?
0: I'm good. I know that you're feeling a little under the weather still or tired. Is that true? Yes,
1: something's happening. Yeah, I don't know if it's like fourth wave COVID. I don't even know if I had COVID, but. I, I don't. I don't understand anything anymore. So, but I'm going to power through. <laughs> I don't. No one understands anything
0: anymore <laughs> as it relates to the vid. <laughs> <Nope>. <laughs> no. No. Um, well, if it's your first time here, guys, we're going to try and pep it up for tonight. We're talking about Star Wars. Wednesday night is when we do a live show. We talk about pop culture. Um, my friend Mister Chris, who's one of the smartest people I know, and also has a really uh, encyclopedia like like memory for pop culture details and a unique way of bringing it all together. So this is what we do Wednesday nights. If it's your first time here, please consider hitting like subscribe, the notification bell and whatever else you'd like to do. Um, If you are in the chat, like I saw some people before we started said, I'm ill-equipped for this. Therese said, I've only watched the the first two Star Wars and that was back when they came out and that's okay. I'm ill-equipped for this too. (laughs) Mr. Chris is going to walk me through why was Star Wars so iconic and why would the original trilogy, why does it have, has, has it had such a lasting impact on fans of the series, on culture in general, on cinema and what's happened to it since? So you're kind of going to walk through that and some of the criticisms that it faced um, back when it it came out. And in the ensuing decades, we're going to go through some of the accusations of racism and sexism and all the isms. So I'm sure we do have some hardcore Star Wars fans here. And feel free to speak up in the chat because you know more than me. Okay. (laughs) So tell me, why was it so iconic? I've heard a a couple people talk about this recently.
1: I, what? I want to ask you first, what mm-hmm. is your view of Star Wars?
0: Well, so some of the people I've talked to about Star Wars recently, I think Chris Gore was one of them, have mentioned. and I know Gary from Nerdrotic and I think Ryan Canal have both talked about why it was so iconic. And and for some people, it was the first time they had seen this kind of movie in the theaters with all these special effects and such a great storyline. And so it had. they have these memories of being in the theater watching it. Some people do. And maybe that's why I never got – I never became – I mean, I've, I've watched the first three films, the first trilogy. But I don't think I watched them – oh, I know I didn't watch them in the theater because I was born <laughs> – I think didn't they the first one came out in 77. Yes. Okay, yeah. I didn't watch it in theater. And <laughs> um, I don't remember when I first saw them. It was sometime when I was a kid. But – and I do remember enjoying them, and I really liked Chewbacca, and I I loved Princess Leia. Um, but it, it it for me it wasn't one of those pivotal memories. I I would say for maybe that's because I'm a woman. Not that th- not that there aren't women. I'm going to step all over my toes. There are certainly women for whom Star Wars was that kind of epic, um, uh, iconic memory, and they've been fans for life. That just wasn't me. I was more drawn to. Uh, uh, we watched a lot of uh, Disney, those like Sunday night movies, and <laughs> the original Parent the Trap movies. No, no, uh, no. It would <laughs> they would show stuff like the original uh, Parent Trap with Haley. What's her name? That movie was great. I must have watched mm. that a hundred times when I was a kid. So I have more of an attachment to movies like that than I do to this this big adventure franchise.
1: Ah, wow. Well. I didn't have a choice whether I was going to get into Star Wars or not. Uh, my dad uh, wanted to name me Jedi when I was born, but my mom <laughs> said, hell no. <laughs> uh, so I always think about what my life could have been like if like, he actually did name me Jedi. I'd probably be overweight. I would have definitely gotten beaten up in school a lot. But yeah, uh, my dad's What huge can nerd- I...
0: Can we call you Jedi? Can that be something that we call you? Well, he calls me
1: that. Like, whenever we're in public, he's like, Jedi. And people just, like, stare. Like, wait, what did he just say? So he calls me anyway. But, yeah, if you want to call me that, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Dark black Jedi, yeah. But, yeah, so uh, he was a huge nerd, and uh, I really had no choice. Uh, That's how I got into Star Trek and Star Wars and sci-fi in general. And I remember being a kid and him uh, describing the original star wars trilogy and the path that luke skywalker took and darth vader and all that and i just remember just being wowed and you know i watched i think i saw him even out of order too <laughs> i think i saw empire strikes back first and then i watched maybe the original or, or jedi anyway but you know star wars to me was it it took what i love about Sci-fi fantasy, like the quarter like the technical stuff with the uh, the machines, the spacecraft, mm-hmm. um took the aliens. It was very fantastical. Um, but it also had this kind of dare I say spiritual aspect to it. It's like a pseudo spiritualism spiritualism in the film. Um, how Luke Skywalker kind of um, taps into this and and uses that to help him you know, take down an Uh, evil empire. And the story always had so much weight to me that I can't think of really too many other movies, particularly around that time that can compare to the story weight that Star Wars had. Because, I mean, if it was just a story about, you know, some Jedi, so I think that'd be kind of cool, but giving that weight of, you know, bringing back an entire civilization from tyranny, from, you know, space fascism, fascism with, you know, the space Nazis. Uh, that always stuck with me and always resonated with me. And I think that's what resonated with so many people around the world.
0: Mm-hmm. But it was no Chitty Chitty Bang Bang.
1: <laughs> no Chitty Chitty <laughs> Bang Bangs, no Dick Van Dyke or anything in it. So that would have been interesting, but Dick Van Dyke as Obi-Wan. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so you lean more towards sci-fi and fantasy anyway. So I think maybe I, that's yeah. something that obviously people who love it, like somebody in the chat, I saw it scroll by. They mentioned Star Wars Girl. Yes, of course, she loves the original trilogy. So maybe that's something that's more like, because um, that's not really. I do like fantasy. I do. I mm-hmm. do like sci-fi, but it's it's not in my like top three.
1: No, yeah. <laughs> it's Golden Girls number one <laughs> <laughs> for film. Uh oh well maybe they'll make a golden girls film soon yeah film is will be all black
0: um no. thrillers horror mm. comedy yeah then maybe sci-fi okay <laughs> so the original series was was big for a lot of people and then and then what happened
2: <laughs> Actually well, why don't, why don't George you Lucas
1: this? made a number of mistakes <laughs> for years and years and years. So uh Star Wars, you know, la- the last trilogy of the original trilogy movies came out in eighty-three and there was a long dead period. And uh George Lucas in the early nineties, when he wanted to do the Star Wars prequels, he needed a little bit extra money, so he decided what if I just re-release Star Wars in theaters? But what if I give some kind of incentive more than just what the movies are to try to get people into the seats to watch it in movies, even though you could just you know watch on HBO or get the VHS? So he put uh, a number of bad uh, special effects in it, <laughs> of like CGIing uh, all sorts of uh, aliens and things that you know st- stood out of uh, place which there were some good things he did about with the special editions. He did clean up some of the matte frames for some of the Mm -hmm. spaceships and space things. But uh, I I remember watching those in theaters and that's the first time since I wasn't alive when the original uh, trilogy was out. Uh, It was really fun seeing those in theater despite the special edition. And so I was really, really, really looking forward to the Star Wars prequels. Uh, I remember the hype when people were saying, you know, Star Wars is back, you know, it's for the new generation, you know, especially for all the people who, you know, weren't alive during the original trilogy came out. And I remember seeing that with, you know, my dad and... I remember at the very end of the movie trying to convince myself that it was a better movie than it actually was. <laughs> right. Cause I was like, well, it ended up with a lightsaber fight and I have the Darth Maul. He's got all, right. all these spikes out of his coming out of his head and a, a double bladed lightsaber. It was pretty cool. And it, it, it took a while to kind of sink in like, this is really disappointing. I mean, of all that hype, you know, years and years of hype of wanting to see something that continued on the story, and continued with some of the characters that we knew, like Obi-Wan, and you got to find out backstory about Anakin. It was, just, it was, it was disappointing, but, uh, I still looked forward to the, the next movies that came out in the prequels, Attack of the Clones, which was disappointing. <laughs> Again. I saw some of those. Yeah.
0: I, th- I saw the one with Jar Jar Binks.
1: Yeah. Fan- um... Oh, he was in all three, but they cut him down because oh, George okay. Lucas, uh, you know, fans were pretty, you know, clear in their hatred. Uh,
0: yeah,
2: I didn't care
1: couldn't.
0: for those movies, and I, I remember being excited for them because, well, if other people are really excited, like fans of something, I, I can get excited too because they're into mm-hmm. it. Like, like you know, if a friend is having a, a Super Bowl party, that's not really my jam. But if you're really excited about it and you invite right. me, I'm going to be excited because you are. And so it was yeah. kind of like that. Everybody was excited to go to the theater see the the. The new films, and I also really liked the um, the actress from the professional and oh, <laughs> Natalie, Natalie Portman. Portman. Yeah, and uh, yeah, I just kind of didn't wasn't into it. Didn't think the, they didn't
1: think they hit. No, because George Lucas, when he originally came up with the uh, backstory to how Anakin felt at a dark side, he took that story and divided it up unequally between the movies, and so about. of that backstory went into episode three and the other 40% was divided between episode two and episode one. And I believe that's the reason why we got a lot of scenes that didn't contribute to the overall plot very much. You know, like the pod racing scene and Fandom Venice, which was, you know, pretty much there because George Lucas is a big race car fan. And so uh, there was a lot of waste in those two movies. Um, So-
0: can I ask you for a second? What happened yeah. to him? Because the, you said he he made, he made some bad choices. I, I know of I've probably watched I have watched this more than any of the Star Wars films, the holiday special, which he <sighs> tried to ban. Um, in the holiday special, I I got a boot like copy of it. You know, when you're in college and you just want to watch the really weird mm-hmm. films and stuff. And I heard the story of it, and I got a copy. B. Arthur's in it to bring it back to the <sighs> Golden Girls, and it's terrible. It's awful. It's about... It's awfully good. It's about uh, Chewbacca going home to celebrate a holiday that's something sort of like Christmas with his chewbacca family
3: <laughs> i think it was life day
1: i think that was what they were celebrating life day. yeah yeah it was awful I, I watched that holiday special uh with a group of people who like to watch really bad movies and like none of us could take it we were like begging <laughs> for it to end it wouldn't end or like why do we do this there's but, weird
0: uh, singing you yeah, know where people are just so out of stuff. place it's, it's so weird. bizarre uh no, but, but what happened to him
1: um, I'll tell you what happened to him. Money happened to him. <laughs> he <laughs> liked money. Uh, I think we really started going wrong around time of uh, returning Jedi because George Lucas, he was very smart from the beginning of star Wars. Uh, he, he did some deal with 20th century Fox where he agreed. He, he made them sign a contract where he would get merchandise rights from it. And they're like, sure, we'll sign this over. Cause they didn't think it was going to start. was going to be a big thing. You know, no one really thought that. And so he made a ton of money through merchandise sales. And so I think for Return of the Jedi, uh, knowing that he could make a lot of more money with merchandise sales, he started to make characters that would play more towards kids, even more so than from the first and second movies. And so I think that's a big portion why, a uh, reason why he, he put in the Ewoks. Which initially there was some discussion about the Ewoks actually being Wookiees, but George Lucas said that which it would have been an awesome movie, but he didn't want to do that because he thought it was unrealistic to have a bunch of Wookies that were not sufficient in technology, given that Chewbacca was, uh, you know, could fly the Millennium Falcon right. because he for for that story in Return of Jedi he wanted. Um, a parable or an allegory for the Vietnam War, believe it or not, okay. <laughs> which sounds crazy, <laughs> you know. But he wanted that idea of like you know these villagers fighting this giant mechanized force, so like you know North, you know uh, the Vietnamese fighting uh, Americans, and. I think it would have been entertaining if he fully embraced the allegory. Like, if he had, like, Ewoks that were suicide bombers, like, how frightening that would have been. They so, <laughs> just went up just- the stormtrooper and go, <laughs> That would be terrifying.
0: So, according to the new SJW religion, he otherized the Vietnamese by portraying them as Ewoks. Did he Did he not?
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, that that would be... Uh, one of many complaints about him, you know, otherizing uh, characters as, you know, racism, particular character, alien racist, which we'll talk about a little bit later.
0: Okay. Um, let me hit you guys. Thanks for the super... <laughs> so, Nicole. Hello, Nicole. My friend Nicole's in the chat. She's like, Harry, look at my super chat. Okay, well, <laughs> Nicole of the Mountain Peoples here. She's is a super chat of 1999. And she says, "Star Wars means so much to all the men in my life. My three sons, my ex-husband, my sweet fella—they can't get enough, and that makes me love it." Mm-hmm. Yeah, I get that. That's what I meant about enjoying things that other people around you enjoy. Yeah, I can. I can totally get into. The, yeah, I, if go ahead.
1: I was just saying. I remember, you know, when the Phantom Menace opened up, there were people camped out waiting for a movie now to get tickets and then to watch the movie and so you have people in sleeping bags people dressed up as jedi fighting of course you'll remember i'm pretty sure you saw that conan o'brien skit with triumph the insult comic dog where he goes to oh. some people waiting in line. Yes. And th- those brilliant moments where he goes up to that guy dressed up as Darth Vader. And he looks at the buttons on Darth Vader's chest and goes, uh, which one uh, calls your mother to have her come pick you up? <laughs> yes.
0: Yes. I remember that. Oh, I And he also that. had a guy
1: who uh, dressed up as Spock. And he comes out and just like goes down the line of Star Wars fans and gives him the finger. And they're all going, Spoo, Star Trek sucks. I was like, That's pretty funny but back in the day
0: back in the day okay this is a a comment from nicole she says she's talking about princess leia she was the first action figure i carried everywhere Mm -hmm. and then another super chat from nicole pratt oh this is the one she was talking about my ex-mother-in-law saw the good guys of the original star wars as the hippies from the 60s fighting the man her generation i said they were emblematic of american revolution patriots fighting the British in retrospect, perhaps we were both right. And then and now you're saying it's Vietnam.
1: Oh, for the Ewok portion. Yeah. yeah. He,
0: that's the thing about a great movie is you can kind of read different mm-hmm. stories into it throughout history. Like, oh, well, it's sort of like this or like that.
1: Well, uh, I always like hearing people's arguments in favor of the empire. Cause I've heard people argue that, you know the empire is never really portrayed. They, they're never really portrayed as being all that brutal. And so <laughs> people have argued like, well, they're creating order to the galaxy, and he has a bunch of people who want to disrupt that order when there everything was stable. <laughs> I was like, that's hmm, interesting. I've heard that before.
0: The funny thing now is that the wokies the woke they, they see they think the empire are those of us who are not falling in line with woke. Isn't that weird? They, the woke woke control the whole freaking empire right now. I mean, they have captured the media. They've captured politics. They've captured, what, like uh, entertainment? Star Wars? They've captured Star Wars? But they're Wars. the
1: resistance, Carrie.
0: <laughs> they're not the resistance.
1: Yes. <laughs> we have Emperor Trump. Late night television. to be taken down
0: academia like what haven't the the corporations the banks mcdonald's paypal like i mean what haven't they captured (laughs) they're not the resistance of america okay uh we've got one more super chat from uh, gjj thank you gjj says i saw empire strikes back in theater only movie uh just me and my dad saw together as a kid it took me a while to understand why yoda and glover Sounded
1: the same. <laughs> Grover. Oh Grover. Oh yeah. <laughs> Frank, Oz. <laughs> Frank Oz. Frank Oz.
0: And Miss Piggy. Didn't he do Miss Piggy?
1: Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Yeah. I want to say something controversial, Shucky. What? But uh I... Oh,
0: I think people are saying hello to Anna. Is Anna a Star Wars girl here? What maybe? If you are and you want to come on the stream. Oh, I see Star Wars. I click. There she
1: is.
0: (laughs) Hey, I'll send you the StreamYard link in case you want to drop in for any portion of this. We're just hanging out. So, Uh, hello, Anna. Okay, what were you going to say? I'm going to say something,
1: and these are my views. You need, like, a disclaimer. Like, the views of the guests on the program of Carrie Smith do not reflect the views of Carrie Smith herself. Well, you're not a guest,
0: though. You're the host.
1: All right. Great. I'm going to drop (laughs) the in bombs. Here we go. um, So... I, with the new Star Wars, by the way, I noticed something that I don't like. The Empire is diverse, which I don't like because here's the thing George Lucas cast all white dudes as the Empire, basically. Oh, pretty much all of them were just white dudes. And it wasn't explicitly said, but with them all being white, wearing these kind of fascist uniforms, subconsciously, okay. you're making some kind of link between them and you know the world war ii germans and that created a more kind of scary vibe from uh the villains but now with the new stuff that disney's doing it's not they're they're making that not just diverse in terms of the race you know but with different races but with aliens themselves which kind of kills that that weird creepy you know uh, fascist type Vibe that you were getting from the original event, uh, Empire, which I think is a big factor as to why the Empire doesn't seem scary in any of the new uh, Star Wars productions. It's just me. So, okay. I, and I'm surprised too, by the way, that they didn't keep them all white because given how much Disney doesn't like white dudes, you know, they, they can trade right. white dudes as bad guys and say, look, oh, either they're racist, alt right people. Ah.
0: Well, people, Tree Surgeon says they're multicultural Nazis.
1: Yes. <laughs> the, the new <laughs> multicultural
0: Nazis. And Dion agrees with you. I'm actually surprised too. Yeah. They, that they didn't keep them all white.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Well, they've got to diversify they probably have one of those things where they just want to be able to say this percentage of our cast was people of color. Exactly. And and yeah. women. And I, I'm so tired of seeing this. I, I uh, in, an old, um, an old friend of mine, when when I was a social justice person, who is still in social justice, I saw this person advertising uh, this nonprofit that they're working with now, and and the announcement about the nonprofit was not about the work they're doing, any money they've raised, any accomplishment. The announcement was proud to say that our staff is a hundred percent. P- either people of color, women, transgender, queer, etc. Like basically, you you could have shortened that announcement, that brag about your company, your your nonprofit, just to say there are no straight white guys working <laughs> for us.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> like that's <laughs> what you're straight saying. Straight white
1: guys need not apply.
0: They're basically <laughs> like, yeah, no straight white guys here. That's not an advertisement. That's is awful. the
1: company out of business yet?
0: <laughs> I don't know. I don't uh.
1: know. Yeah. it will be. It will. Be. It will be. <laughs> <laughs>
2: okay.
0: So so you think what, what happened to George Lucas was money?
1: Yeah, I think the, he's on money. He, he went for, um, you know, the child market, you know, trying to appeal more to children, even though he didn't really need to dumb it down or make it more goofy to what he thought children. Because the original Star Wars, you know, was... More of a general thing. I know he says it was for, I think he said it's for like 12-year-olds, but it's more of a general thing, general audiences, people who are adults and kids, but particularly kids are going to have a fondness for that. But he just dumped things down and he continued with the prequels, and that's how we got Jar Jar, which I found an article about that back when people were saying Jar Jar was racist.
0: So when did this start, these accusations that Star Wars was either racist or sexist or not inclusive enough. Did it start around the time that I was learning about, about woke ideology? Did it start in the late nineties or was it happening like when it first came out?
1: Oh, it's happened when it first came out. Uh, And I found an article. I don't know. Are you able to pull up the articles?
0: Yeah, I can do it. Let's see. Uh,
1: Let me make sure. So there is an article and it is, let's see. Let me find the, I have it open still um so it's the film school rejects article okay so it's the fight over star wars and racism in 1977 okay let me
0: because you know time. when we were
1: talking about you know doing this as a topic and we we're talking a little bit about like racism stuff I started thinking like I wonder how far back I can trace these accusations of racism to sure enough as soon as it came out racist
0: at the very beginning okay you guys give it up for your tech person tonight meaning
1: me <laughs> um actually
0: i just mean be patient with me
1: <laughs> <laughs> faster, faster. <laughs>
0: i'm trying okay here we go. <laughs> i'm very excited to see you on friday
1: yeah it's gonna be fun
0: we're gonna hang out okay add to stream
1: all right so I'm only gonna read a little bit about this um, and this article came out in 2015 so it's a little dated so I'm just gonna skip the first part because it talks about the stars uh, the Force Awakens so I'm gonna skip down to the middle of the first paragraph And goes, as long as there has been a Star Wars movie to watch, there have been arguments in newspapers and film journals worth following. None quite as entertaining and illuminating as The Great Wide Void, an opinion piece that ran in the Los Angeles Times in July of 1977. For the next two weeks, the Los Angeles Times would play host to a variety of arguments about race and gender and Star Wars and other science fiction, putting even our best modern comment sections to shame. While the original article included only the name and city of the author, it is worth noting that The Great White Void was written by Black actor Raymond St. Jacks. St. Jacks had already earned a reputation in Hollywood as an actor who helped break down barriers. In 1965, St. Jacks appeared in the eighth and final season of Rawhide, earning the distinction of becoming the first Black actor to appear in a Western television series. In 1977, the same year that Star Wars was released, St. Jacks, Became an uh, who also appeared in two episodes of Roots, he, he would go on to spend almost his entire career playing non recurring characters on popular television shows. One notable exception being the 1973 crime film Book of Numbers, which St. Jack's uh, both directed and started. In his letter, St. Jack's took issue with science fiction stories that refused to acknowledge racial diversity and what he misidentified as the future. And this is, quote, if ever there is to be a time that we can create without having to worry about uh, acceptive norms of our present racist societies, and Jax wrote, it must be the future. Rather than draw a line at Star Wars, however, the actor also singled out popular 70s science fiction films such as 2001, A Space Odyssey, and Logan's Run as films that omit Black actors and actresses completely by not acknowledging us, uh, quote, by not acknowledging us at all, the film creator is worse than any racist. And then, let's see, who better to notice the absence of black actors and stars than the black actor who had been in everything? That did not stop St. Jack's from seeing the film, however. While his letter is openly critical of the way race is represented in the Star Wars universe, he, unlike black activists who published articles in newspapers across the country later that year, did not suggest that the best course of action would be to boycott the movie. Quite the opposite. The letter began with St. Jack's noting that he had just returned from seeing Star Wars for the fifth time, openly, openly acknowledging that Star Wars was a film that should be seen as many times as possible. And although things have changed since 1977, publishers could still recognize the potent mix of fanboy culture and political consciousness present in St. Jack's article. And then it goes on talking about uh, how people um, also wrote in, some people Green Room, some people not. And um, I have uh, his little blurb. It's not really an article. It's just like five paragraphs. And I'm going to read it real quick. Uh, it's a little blurry because the website was a, uh, a screen capture or a picture of a the newspaper, oh, like and the actual it's print. A,
0: it's his original thing that he wrote, cri- criticized. Yes,
1: yeah. So it's it's not very long, but it's called the Great White Void. He says, "I just the returned from seeing stu-
0: the Great White Void."
1: Void. Yes. Okay. Uh, I just returned from seeing Star Wars for the fifth time, and each time I've seen the film, I've ignored the obvious, and that is terrifying realization that Black people, or any ethnic minority for that matter, shall not exist in the galactic space empires of the future. The invisibility was most apparent also in the following films, 2001 A Space Odyssey, Logan's Run, as well as many others. It is terrifying because the creators of these films, dealing with the future consciously, I'm sure, have all kinds of rationalizations to justify our lack of visibility. Where else but the future can we hope to be completely free? Free socially, politically, and artistically. If ever there is to be a time that we can create without having to worry about acceptive norms of our present racist society, it must be the future. Then why in the the force's name must our film creators continue to perpetuate the terrible destructive ideals that put man against man, brother against brother, and nation against nation. D.W. Griffin's film, The Birth of a Nation, perpetuated the idea of Blacks being vile, dangerous, and evil. I find it somewhat rather curious that the role of evil Lord Vader of Star Wars is played by the voice of a Black actor. Mm -hmm. So what change has there been? Here we find the same thoughts from the early 1900s to the dawning of the 21st century. Yet, if these particular film creators were called racist, they would deny it vehemently. And perhaps rightly so, for at least an out-and-open racist would acknowledge our visibility in the manner he related to us. But by not acknowledging us at all, the film creator is worse than any racist it is my earnest hope that some of these film creators who have the power to make change will have the courage to continue to the advancement of racial and cultural thought using the great film medium will lead all people into the future devoid of hatred and fear and truly teaching love and understanding for each other
0: that's okay it. okay i have a couple of thoughts
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah do tell
0: that guy has a lot to say but um uh well actually I, I agree with him on some things and I disagree with him on others. Mm -hmm. I mean, I mean, we, our history is, is yes. We, we've had a history of racism and for a long time, society was progressing towards equality and individualism. Um, and I would say, I would argue that during the time he wrote this in 1977, we were progressing. We were in a period of progression and it's right in those, those times of progression to call cultural things out i think it is if that's the way he felt he obviously was a fan of the film he went to see it five times but if he felt like i want to see more black actors on screen i'm going to say that fine express that opinion i think that's fine um what i don't agree with is that the director is worse than any racist because i think that belittles racism um and I don't I think I think that's objectively false to say that George Lucas not putting a black actor in the film is worse than like the people who lynched Emmett Till, you know, actual like
1: racists. That's that's doesn't not true. That kind of sound and, like what's going on now where they're saying you have oh, to yeah. think about race like everyone has to think about race yes. all the time instead of just thinking, well, maybe it just didn't cross their mind.
0: That's true. I still think his criticism is fine. And, but the, the other thing I would say is that he's also forgetting, and, and this is cer- something that we've certainly forgotten today. Um, you know, For as much as this, the social justice people who wanna talk about quote unquote white privilege, what they call white privilege is most often would probably better be described as majority privilege. And I've heard Jordan Peterson talk about this. I've heard lots of others talk about this. I'm not the first person to say this, but but if you go to Japan, The majority of the population is Japanese. You're mostly going to see Japanese actors in the television shows and in the songs and in the cultural, you know, references. That's what you're going to see in America. I'm not sure what the percentage was in the 70s, but currently I think the black population in America is 13 percent of the population. So to say what they're saying today is that it needs to be 50-50 representation or what have you, or even more than 50-50, like a greater percentage of black actors on fil- in film and TV, but that's not reflective of the real demographics of this country. So um, I think I think that gets lost in the conversation too. And and especially with, if you look at the trans thing now, where they wanna put a trans person in every show, you're talking about 0.1%, 0. 0, 0. maybe, maybe 0.1% of the population before we got this explosion of transgenders. Why is that? Why do you need to have a trans person every show? (laughs) It's not reflective of reality.
1: It's it's like the um, GLAD report, which uh, a while back I think I read a little bit from the old GLAD report from 2020. I haven't read the most recent one, but in 2020 they talked about how they were wanted uh, the amount of LGBTQ people on TV characters um, to be at least 10 point you know, 10% of the total characters being shown on screen. And for 2020, uh, it was 10.2. And sorry, this was for primetime scripted television. And whenever some metric that they had, like say when they are talking about there need to be more Blacks, whatever, or or Latinas, like if the amount of that group uh, on screen was less than what the national percentage was, they would say, we got to get this up to to that. But whenever it was over, they never mentioned that. And so LGBTQ people, based on the Williams Institute, which is what they cite, they cite data from this institute. uh, The total population in America is 4.5%. Yet there's 10.2%, at least back in 2020, which is more than twice the amount of people that actually are that in america but there's no <laughs> acknowledgement of that in fact yeah what do they want they want more they want so they more said by the year 2025 they want uh, the total amount of lgbtq people to be 25 percent of all the characters being shown on television why i don't know <laughs> <laughs> most of the time for a lot of these like diversity and you know equity type stuff, most of the time they don't quantify their goals. I mean, if they do, like I said earlier, they'll use the national proportion, but most of the time they don't because they don't really want the quote unquote problem to. Actually no. off.
0: And also social justice people, they don't quantify anything. They never tell you at what measurable endpoint mm-hmm. the resistance, which isn't really resistance. It's just it's just the uh, enforcement from the status quo it's it's the it's the empire but they never tell you when at what measurable end goal they will stop quote unquote <laughs> resisting like like when does it stop and they never they never say like the, their whole idea of teaching people that racism equals prejudice plus power they don't have any i've asked tons of them so at what measurable end goal how can you tell when we've reached equality well enough that it's now possible to be racist towards a white person, right? Like, how do you tell? They don't know. They just <laughs> want to teach people this stuff forever. Mm-hmm. Um, Dion asked if the sound just died. I don't think so. If anybody else is having trouble hearing us, well, you wouldn't be able to hear this, would you? <laughs> it. I can hear you. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but, yeah, but I was thinking, with, you know, when Star Wars was being made, I think it was being filmed in '76. I would wager, and I have to do more research, but I would wager that's kind of in the early days of, you know, the, of this growing consciousness, this need to have a black, quote unquote, representation in things. Because, you know, in the 80s, you can look at a lot of TV shows and a lot of movies that had, you know, at least one black character, and you could make an argument whether that's a tokenization or not. But, you know, that was kind of present in the 80s and on to the 90s. And now it's just, you know, the floodgates are open and it's just everything. But back then, I don't think that was really something that was on many people's minds. In then, you know, mid 70s, like the need to have, you know, a wide range of, you know, different races in the programs. Because, again, I, I don't know the stats, you know, just like you were mentioning earlier, we don't know what the racial uh, makeup was in the 1970s. But, you know, there sure was a lot more white people back then. And I think back in that kind of culture and atmosphere that that wasn't a a big thought. And
0: Well, I think a lot of it became a big thought. So Peggy McIntosh, Peggy McIntosh is the incredibly wealthy elite white woman who coined the phrase white privilege in the 80s. She wrote this essay called The Invisible Knapsack. And it's been used in academia ever since. And it's it's just an essay. It's not a study. <laughs> there's no, there's no statistics or data collected. It's just her opinion. And it's a whole list of things about white privilege. You know, she's like, you can turn on the TV and see mostly people of your race represented. You know, you can l- look at billboards and see mostly people of your race. And it's like, yeah, all that stuff is all majority privilege. I lived in uh, Tanzania for a year in East Africa. Every, all the billboards there are, guess what? They're black people. And they're not just black people. They're African black people. And like, it would be weird if they weren't because the the other demographics are so small. It's like Anyway, you get the point of what I'm saying.
1: <laughs> yes, I do. <laughs> now I'm
0: just laughing inside, thinking about if all the villains were were white people or Japanese people, like, and they're like, "What? Why are you advertising this to us? This isn't us." <laughs> well,
1: the thing is about the original Star Wars, uh, George Lucas, um, he told that the guy uh, the guy who was inside Darth Vader suit. David Prowse, which I do have a video on that, maybe play later. But David Prowse thought he was going to be the voice of Darth Vader. And when you actually hear his voice, he's got this very British voice and it just doesn't work. And so George Lucas originally kind of wanted Orson Welles, according to James Earl Jones, wanted Orson Welles, but ended up going with James Earl Jones. But I read that part of the reason why he selected James Earl Jones is because he read or he realized during the production of Star Wars that there were no black people in here. And so he was like, uh, what do you do? And so it made sense <laughs> given that James Earl Jones was, you know, got uh, a great, still is, well, for the most part, a great voice great and voice. decided to put him in there. But even then he still worried that given that there was no on-screen black people that that was coming to issue, which it did with this, uh, um, letter. And also there's a, another article that I have about a famous astronomer who also called it racist for the same reason, which we can pull that up in a moment. But uh, James Earl Jones actually uh, wasn't credited for Star Wars. And I've heard people say, oh, that's because, you know, they're racist, they don't want to put Blackbeard in the credits. But James Earl Jones said he didn't want to be credited because he spent, you know, a little less than like two hours recording all the lines for Darth Vader. <laughs> and, you know, he didn't really think Star Wars was going to become this big thing. He just thought it was probably going to fail and so he's like, eh, I don't really care having my name attached to that. And mm-hmm. so, but um, if you find the article, I did. I just found it, and you and you surprised right.
0: me because when you said, well, first let me read these super chats. Uh, when you said that it was astronomer who called it racist, I thought it was going to be Yo, Neil deGrasse Tyson, such a blowhard. <laughs> I've met no, him. No, it's, it's really he's racist. Such a blowhard. Uh, but it's not him. Uh, <laughs> Thank you, Matt Decker, for the super chat. He says, "Empire is all women, but for soldiers and generals." Is that true?
2: Mm-hmm. <laughs> no. <laughs> Matt Decker is Not such a joke.
0: sly sense of humor. I can never tell. He, I, I, he's. I'm just going to start assuming he's always joking. <laughs> <laughs> Valley cat for twenty dollars. Thank you so much. Says my husband has seen every single Star Wars movie in theaters since the beginning. He's been very disappointed since the original trilogy. I'm curious what Mystery Chris's favorite Star Wars movie is since the original three.
1: Since the original three? Mm-hmm. It's not much to choose between. No. <laughs> uh, I'm going to have to go with episode three. It's a ridiculous movie, but like I said, the, the portion of Anakin's downfall was most <laughs> in that movie, and as silly as it was, you know, there's still parts of it I like, and it's by no means a good movie. I'm, I'm you know, <laughs> um, you're not to argue me. It's, you know, I'm not saying you, it's good at all.
0: Yeah, but if you were forced to watch one, which one would it be? That one. I,
1: I yeah, I would say that one because as bad as it is, I could still quote a ton of lines from it. You were the chosen one. Instead, you bring balance to the force. I leave it in darkness. You were my brother, Anakin, and I loved you. You should be my brother. Me and my brother go back and forth where we we quote that all the time. Why
0: don't you do voice acting?
1: (laughs) Yeah, shit.
0: Okay, and then Matt Deckard. I'm assuming this is a joke. Matt, super chat, he says. reboot vader will be an oppressed trans woman and the hero as obi-wan is the fallen oppressive emblem of the colonizing patriarchy (laughs) yes (laughs) this is gonna be true they're gonna rehab vader's image (laughs) uh this is uh in the chat i just saw Raphael. Raphael says, "I did not enjoy any of the Star Wars movies." Okay, (laughs) welcome to pop culture, where we discuss. Did you watch the
1: Ewok movies? They're fantastic.
0: (laughs) The Ewok movies, Valley Cat for another super chat. Thank you so much. Says his and mine was actually Rogue One. Oh, their favorite.
1: Rogue One was all right. Of the Disney movies, that's pretty much the only one I thought was okay. Okay, I'm going to share this
0: with you. This is um a really startling image in this article.
1: I know. Brace yourself.
0: Okay. Can I read this one? Yeah, go ahead. Okay. Let's see. Boom. There we go. Uh Add to stream. Hello, Carl Sagan. (laughs) Yeah, brace yourself.
1: Sweet dreams, Gary.
0: No, advertisements go away. Okay, so this is a a piece from grunge.com. It says, The real reason Carl Sagan called Star Wars racist. And then it's a really creepy picture of Carl Sagan. Um, Okay, skip on down. It says... As is the case with any other super popular intellectual property, Star Wars has faced its share of backlash in the 40-plus years since George Lucas first brought Luke Skywalker, Darth Vader, Princess Leia, Han Solo, Chewbacca, and other iconic characters from the franchise to life. Back in 2017, Lucas himself said that the first movie in the original trilogy, or episode four, A New Hope, as it was later subtitled, was a film for (laughs) 12-year-olds. But decades before that, another prominent figure, astrophysicist Carl Sagan, had some pointed critiques to make about the film. While his comments about A New Hope possibly being racist were mostly forgotten through the passage of time, fans in recent years have discovered footage of him making these remarks and weighed in accordingly. But why, in specific, did Sagan feel that A New Hope may have been a racist movie? Okay, Sagan took issue with the all-white cast and the human chauvinism in the storyline. Uh, during a 1978 episode of The Tonight Show, Carl Sagan sat down with legendary host Jimmy Carson, Johnny Carson, I got him, Jimmy.
2: Jimmy Car-
1: oh, <laughs> oh, oh, Johnny
0: Carson. <laughs> to discuss various topics, most of them related to science. As A New Hope had just come out a year earlier and became a huge hit with viewers, it was inevitable that the two men eventually touched on the film. At that point, Sagan made the rather accurate observation via YouTube that the cast of Star Wars, or at least the cast members playing humans, uh, was all white. The skin of all of the humans in Star Wars, oddly enough, oh, this is his quote, quote, the skin of all the humans in Star Wars, oddly enough, is sort of like this, looking down at his own hands, and not even the other colors represented on the Earth, much less greens and blues and purples and oranges, Sagan added dumbing down his earlier comments. After Carson, who seemingly didn't know how to respond at first, explained that Star Wars also features aliens who look different from each other, Sagan noted that none of them, quote, seemed to be in charge of the galaxy, end quote. While the famed scientist eventually acknowledged that the child and him still appreciated the movie for the most part, he also called out the, quote, human chauvinism that was supposedly present, as well as what he felt was a lack of scientific accuracy. It was only then that the audience really broke out of its momentary yet awkward silence and started laughing along with Sagan's observations and Carson's reactions to them. Uh, Oh, my goodness. Can I read this part?
1: Yes. (laughs) Look
0: at this next section. Star Wars is far more inclusive now, but fan racism is still an issue, guys. Like, is it? Is fan racism an issue? At the time of Carl Sagan's interview with Johnny Carson, there was only one Star Wars film and only one black actor of note who contributed to the franchise, James Earl Jones, who voiced but did not physically play Darth Vader. As shown on the movie's IMDb page, Jones wasn't even credited for his role despite how his distinctive booming voice was likely recognizable to many viewers. Since then there have been many other people of color who have gone on to appear in Star Wars, including black actors, Billy D. Williams, Samuel Jackson, John Boyega, and Lupita Nyong'o. I, okay. Donald Glover. <laughs> <laughs> Just keep going. Keep going. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> Donald Glover, best known for his roles in *Community* in Atlanta and his rap career. At Challenge community. okay, good, okay. So they're telling us every all the black people that have been in there since. Okay, Sagan, who died in 1996, would have most likely been happy to see a more inclusive *Star Wars* had he been alive to see everything from 1999's *The Phantom Menace* onward. Unfortunately, the point he was trying to make is still oftentimes lost on the franchise's fans, many of whom were unhappy with the idea of a black actor playing such a major role in the force awakens in 2015 these fans took to social media to post racist hashtags and call for a boycott of the movie with some even going as far as to send boyego death threats as he revealed to vanity fair okay is that do you think i don't think that's real i don't believe this shit
1: no this is the same playbook they've been running you know they uh, have an article and we don't necessarily uh bring it up but about um have you have you heard, been following any news about the obi-wan series
0: yes i've been following some of it
1: so you know that there's a black actress in it who plays a villain and yes. before the show came out uh bunch of websites came out with articles saying that, you know, I think, I think she went to, she did an interview where she said that Disney warned her that there is going to be racist people that attacked her and surprise, surprise, there's quote unquote racist people who are putting, you know, all these sending awful messages to, to her. But the thing that Disney has been doing is using these accusations of racism as a shield from legit criticism of these movies which I'm not going to say that there are no racist people sending in, in things, because guess what? It's just the internet. You know, the democratization of communication, when you can have all sorts of people get on, and you know, every high-profile person is going to have people saying whole, t- terrible, horrible things to them. So I'm not even denying that you know there are some people who who say terrible things like that. I'm sure there are. Yeah, it's not representative of the whole. There are exactly. lots of people making very articulate arguments as to why these Disney Star Wars products are terrible and these people are being lumped in with any kind of crazy racist people, whoever they may be, or if they're fake accounts, maybe you never know. But they're being lumped in. And so it's it's simultaneously trying to shut down any criticism, but it's also bringing more attention to it and You know, again, kind of like I was saying earlier, where people are being forced to think in terms of race, you know, this is Mm -hmm. just an effect of what we're seeing with trying to politicize everything, making everyone think like that. Because, you know, as soon as Disney came out with stuff about before the series even aired, when they came out with all these articles about how, you know, racist trolls are going to attack her. You know, that caught the eye of people who have been criticizing Star Wars, who have been saying, you know, this is what Disney is doing. And so a lot of people start talking about it. And that one generates buzz about the show, but it also allows the people who, for whatever reason, don't want to hear that argument and just want to label everyone as being racist and phobes and all that other stuff. And so it's just the same playbook just over, over, and over again, playing the same thing.
0: That's my that's my take on it too. But without even looking at to see what the supposed racist hashtags were that they were mm-hmm. using, because I've seen them do this so many times now that they don't have. Um, I don't trust the media on this stuff at all anymore. No, I was one of those gullible people because I was woke back then. When I saw the GamerGate stuff happening, mm-hmm. now, now keep in mind I was in the woke world. I was producing a woke late night show uh, for FX at the time. My whole my whole world was woke when I. The comedians I worked with were woke. The host of the show woke. The writers woke. We actually, I think, did some pieces on GamerGate, or at least touched on it. And in my woke world, the way GamerGate, the articles I read, the things I read from the media telling me about GamerGate, I just believed it. They just believe this stuff. Some they're gonna read this article and just believe it. Oh, the Star Wars fans are racist, <clears throat> and I just believed it. I believed that GamerGate was a bunch of racist, misogynistic guys and gaming who didn't want women to play games. That's not, that's not true. That's not. And as you said, of course there are going to be those people, but they're not representative of the whole. They're not the majority. They're not even a small, they're not even a large percentage, but that's the way they try to paint all of it. Gamergate. Once I got out of woke and years later, I looked back at that and actually went and researched some of it and tried to figure out what was going on and was, was the opinion I held back then correct? I realized it was not correct. <laughs> and that people had some very real criticisms about ideology being pushed through games and the same sort of stuff that you and I talk about, about, about people being applauded for the just just their race or their sex or their sexuality and that being the most important thing rather than the storytelling or the gameplay or the writing. Or Those very real criticisms just get... The media just takes it and says, "Oh, they're racist." They did the same thing when Ghostbusters 2 came out. They were like, "Oh, these, all these fan, all these trolls online on YouTube. Oh, they hate, they hate the all lady Ghostbusters because they're sexist." And that's not true. They hated the fact that it's being pushed down our throats. They're like, you need to watch this because it's women. Hmm. There's lots of movies with all female cast. They want to pretend like they're creating this as something new. The ladies, come watch as a lady Ghostbuster. Just make a movie with ladies. Don't destroy something. Don't, don't make a shit movie. Put all women in it. Now, now, as a woman, it's kind of like, like, that sucks.
1: And the thing about the Ghostbusters 2016 movie, I have a theory. And again, these are my my opinions, my controversial opinions. But I, I think a lot of people were reacting to the fact that they were all women because I think a lot of us, when we're watching these movies, even though what we're seeing on screen is fantasy, and I think we're still comparing these roles that mm-hmm. you know these characters inhibit to whatever's closest in the real world to that. And so obviously there's nothing in the real world like being a Ghostbuster, but the closest thing we have is what? I don't know, a fireman, policeman, uh, being a soldier. Fireman. Now, these are roles that are predominantly uh filled by men and sure there are some women but it's mostly men now if you're someone who believes that the reason why there aren't more women in these roles has to do with discrimination and that young girls are being told that you know they can be x y and z then it would kind of make sense why you want to do these type of movies portraying a ton of women doing these type of roles, but if you're someone like myself who believes that the distribution of men and women in these particular type of fields has more to do with the biology of men and women, the fact that more men want to do these things than women want to do things, then it seems very unnatural and it comes across as social engineering, like they're trying to redefine gender roles. And I think that's what a lot of us were reacting to because if you compare that to Ghostbusters Afterlife, that was a mixed team. They're, they're kids. That's a little ridiculous. But they're kids and it was mixed. there's two females and two males. And that's much more natural. And mm-hmm. it didn't seem like there was really that much soldier engineering with that, particularly compared to the 2016 Ghostbusters film. Mm-hmm. And so I, I I think because of the overall culture that has been kind of created, where so many of these um roles, these protagonists' roles are being filled with, with females, I think people are looking at it uh, uh, cumulatively, they're looking at everything and saying this is an overrepresentation of women in these particular type of roles, these roles that require whoever's in that to specifically run towards danger, to mm-hmm. take on some kind of force or beast or another man or something. And I think a lot of us are are seeing for what it, it really is. And at times, yeah, there's there's times when people may become a little reactionary and perceive there to be an agenda in spots or places where it's not actually present. You know, that's true. But I, I, I don't blame the people reacting in that way as much as I blame the people who created this culture where it's very obvious attempts to socially engineer because after, Because of what they think, that mm-hmm. these gender roles are pure social constructs.
0: I see your point that the best equivalent to the Ghostbusters would be policemen or firefighters or something, and that those are mostly roles that are filled by men in real life. But I would like to point out that all of the actual, quote unquote, ghost hunters that I know of in today's society are hipster Females mostly who <laughs> wear crystals, and <laughs> I'm not saying I know they're not ghostbusters.
2: <laughs> <laughs>
0: you know all those people are like, I'm ghost hunting.
1: Mm-hmm. Of- no. Well, they, they know they're not in any, any actual danger. <laughs> I mean, when's the last time you heard of ghost attack? Like, imagine if like ghosts were like attacking people, they'd have to report that on the news. Like, tonight in West Houston, six people are dead in the latest ghost attack yeah There'll be calls for bailing ghosts ghost or something i don't know can i tell you
0: uh as an aside what it's like when i worked in entertainment and when you go to pitch a quote-unquote reality tv show i hated it i hated it because it's not real i mean i i think i i assume most people know this almost all reality tv is they they write the scripts out it's all either scripted or the storyline scripted in the ad lib. It's all fake. None of it's real. I went to pitch a documentary series, like a real reality show with a comedian I repped at the time. And VH1 ended up buying the series, but they they completely rewrote it. They hired people to play her friends. They hired someone to play her assistant, one of her friends to play her assistant. They moved her parents in with her, which wasn't real. They didn't live with her. Everything was completely <laughs> fake. I hated it. And um and then at one point later i was pitching another reality show and again i was pitching an actual reality show with a little person comedian and burlesque dancer who i represented and so we took out this show it was a it was it was a very interesting show it was going to be her traveling to the biggest and smallest places in the us like the smallest church and the biggest ball of ketchup and like she's fascinated with these places anyway and i was like how interesting right they're every network's like no 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 but here's what we do want they're like um like one of the production companies we met with they're like okay um what else could you do because they they were like we just sold a pilot to the sci-fi network about some little people who are ghost hunters do you have anything like that (laughs) what (laughs) and i was like
1: sounds awesome
0: no she's not a ghost hunter they're like yeah but they weren't either they weren't either they just became ghost hunters to get the show i'm like okay but that's so fake and then and then they were like okay well the they they were like is she Does she they basically were asking me what other career could she be a designer an interior designer. i was like no Mm -hmm. she doesn't have time to go learn how to be an interior designer to get a tv show and then and then they they were like well animal planet is looking for a little person show so could she maybe open a, a bakery for dogs and she hated dogs and i'm like and she wanted the show so bad she was like yes i will open a bakery <laughs> so we can pitch this i'm sorry this is a total wow. side thing but that's how fake it is you just maybe think of it we're talking about the shows of ghost hunters so yeah I just remember that little person Ghost hunting show I a, if it it's ever.
1: amazing that the appeal of reality tv shows is supposed to be that it's a glimpse of real life but turns out reality is really really boring and so they have to script it
0: yeah and, and they look for stuff call it reality. they look for stuff like that they'll basically be like yeah we are looking for a show with a, a black woman and you know and 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 th- and then they'll say and this is what we want it has to be for our channel it has to be in this field and like you know become a dog baker basically mm-hmm. Um, uh, it's.
1: Uh, we'll, we'll let's pick this up. Okay. Okay. Sorry. Um, yeah. Let's get back. I want to. we will do some future episodes on Rally TV, but I also want to do a future oh, episode no. on on MTV. So we we'll okay. talk about the real world. So okay. Yeah.
0: So what's the next uh, link?
1: Uh, can you bring up the uh, articles from the Nation called "Racial Ventriloquism"?
0: Yes. Okay. Bear with me, Mister Chris. My Red Bull kicked in.
1: (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) Put up those links super fast now.
0: Okay, here we go. Uh,
1: Okay. So this is a pretty, pretty crazy and funny article. So uh, for those who were alive and conscious around the time that Star Wars The Phantom Menace came out, there was some controversy over Jar Jar Binks and some other aliens and Star Wars uh, Phantom Menace. Um, people thought that Jar Jar was a racial uh, caricature of uh, Black people. was used from a stereotype. And so this wonderful person uh, wrote an article about that. And I think I can read just a little bit of it. So, uh, no. this person goes. What?
0: Okay, sorry, it was an ad. Go no. ahead.
1: <laughs> sorry. Uh, I know I'm not supposed to read too much into a movie like episode one, The Phantom Menace, but when you're living with a six-year-old whose entire generation role plays and reiterates each and every line, you tend to sit up and take exception when that comes out of the innocent little mouse suggests some not very subtle ethics stereotypes of simpletons and shysters. Let's just take the movie's chief comic relief, the Popeye brainless Jar Jar Binks, who is apparently a black man in frog face. Nothing wrong with that, says Lucasfilm. This is science fiction, except he's a froggy alien who talks, yet says nothing, and who loops, as per George Lucas's specifications, according to Ahmet Best, who plays Jar Jar in a prancing, high-stepping cakewalk. He is a Gungan Chuba thief as Star Wars card in my son's little trading collection proclaims. Whether intentionally or not, Jar Jar's pratfalls and high jinks borrow heavily from the genre of minstrelously. minstrelously. Uh, despite the amphibian getup, his relentless panicky man-child like idiocy is imported directly from the days of Amos and Andy. And whatever it were a white man a black woman, or Al Jolson himself beneath the mask. What would still make all the uh, clowning so particularly insulting is the fact that Jar Jar's speech is a weird pigeon mush of West African, Caribbean, and African American linguistic styles. Jar Jar bubbles with sound bites. You's a Jedi, not all you cracked up to be. Me, very, very scared. What's going to da what da okay <laughs> <laughs> or every time he does something so buffoonish as to require outright sanction. why Waimi's always done one. None of the Gungans have mastered much in a way of ority. Indeed, Star Wars Episode One, the visual dictionary now peddled in bookstores everywhere, assures us that few Gungans speak pure Gungan language, yet English, or collective basic, as the dictionary calls it, is also beyond the command. And he goes on, I'm going to skip down to... Uh, Next paragraph, uh, the Phantom Menace is filled with the hierarchies of uh, accent and class status. The Jedi Knights speak in full paragraphs, resonant baritones and crisp British accents. White slaves like Anakin Skywalker and his mother and the graceful conquered woman of the Naboo speak with uh, brisk, determined innocence of middle-class Americans. The status observed, high-dwelling uh, Nimonians, on the other hand, who are known for their exceptional organizing abilities and who led a labyrinth organization of bureaucrats and trade officials from many worlds that has insulated itself throughout the galaxy speak like Charlie Chan. And the dictionary pictures of new minions are embellished with explanatory captions like "unhanded," underhanded gesture, wheeling expression, and "insincere gesture of innocence. And then there's Watto, the shoot and possessive junk dealer with a sharp eye for a bargain and dubious squint who owns the tow- tow-headed uh, Anakin Skywalker. Watto sports a three-day stubble, has a hooked nose uh-oh, that curves to his chin, <laughs> cheats at games, and doesn't give credit. He speaks in a gravelly Middle Eastern accent. Although a number of groups have protested that Wado is an assaulting Arab stereotype, he struck me more as a comprehensively anti-Semitic, both anti-Arab and anti-Jew. Indeed, Wado bears a striking similarity to the character of a Jewish journalist published in a Vietnamese magazine called Karakarik Reiki at the turn of the last century. Reproduced in Salem Gilman's insightful book, The Jew's Body, the cartoon shows a large nose, round-bellied man with spindly arms, bandly little legs and flat feet, an enormous flat chain, perhaps a giant watch fob hangs across his waist. Wings sprout from his shoulders, and in his left hand, he carries a scroll that says, anything for money. And so this guy goes on and talks about Watto, talks about uh, the the Trade Federation guys, and uh, it's all ridiculous. Um, and I also, let's see, do I have the other article because uh, I want to briefly read a response, not necessarily to that yes. um, one. Um, do you have – hold on. What did my thing close on me? Uh, so is the Baltimore Sun okay. article. Uh, so it says uh, – or the title is – oh, no. Dang it. Is it blocking
0: you from reading it?
1: Yeah. Uh, I, I might be able to read thing. it. Hold on. Okay.
0: Seeing racism in Jar Jar, that's the title, right? Yes. Seeing racism in Jar Jar is seeing Phantom Menace. Oh. Yeah. Not so the really whole thing.
1: Little bit. Yeah. yeah, this guy is criticizing this idea that, you know, Jar Jar and the other characters are racist caricatures.
0: Children of the world, you are surrounded by a confederacy of adult dunces. So your parents take you out to see a movie. It just might be the one called Star Wars Episode I, The Phantom Menace. You see this funny-looking critter running around named Jar Jar Binks, talking in some unknown accent and providing the movie's comic relief. You figure the character is harmless and perhaps amusing. Then those pain-in-the-butt grown-ups step in. Jar Jar Binks, according to this assortment of Grinches who skipped childhood and went straight into conversionhood, is neither funny nor cute. Jar Jar Binks is a racial stereotype of black people. No, I'm not making this up. You can find this on the internet, where a discussion is now raging about the racial and ethnic images of the Phantom Menace, and people wonder why I refuse to read my email. Here's how one of the debate participants described the Jar Jar Binks character, quote, a Southern African cotton-picking Negro, clumsy, not too bright, but has a heart full of gold, end quote. The Jar Jar Binks character belongs to a race of reptilian creatures called the Gungans. Here's how the writer described the Gungan leader, Boss Nass. Fat Zulu overlord, fierce warrior, yet very ignorant. One internet user wrote that Jar Jar Binks had a, quote, pseudo-Jamaican accent and ear flaps that looked like dreads, referring to the Rastafarian dreadlock hairdo. Another said the harmless Gungan was a, quote, bumbling Rastafarian who provides comic relief and whose very ineptitude recalls clownish buckwheat characters from years past. Um, oh here's an interesting part where were all these folks when Eddie Murphy's Harlem Nights came out back in the 1980s all of the white characters in that film were one of four things A evil B stupid C racist D evil stupid and racist claiming they were too young doesn't get them off the hook the movie has been on cable the past month several times perhaps these whiners need to take a break from the anti phantom menace frenzy and give it a look Um, do you want me to read more of this one or are we done
1: uh, you don't have to read more, but uh, first of all, this guy wrote it is black. Uh, oh. Not, but I'm, yeah, so it's not like some, some white guy, you know, it not Oh, it should matter, but given that the rules that exist in this current culture, I'll point that out. He
0: he then goes on to highlight, he says, uh, thank heavens these folks weren't around during my childhood and teen years to critique the movies I watched. They might have noticed several films that some might feel promote white supremacy. Ombre, Paul Newman starred as a white guy raised by Apaches. In one scene, two Apaches are being harassed by white bigots when Newman walks over and whacks one of the miscreants in the mouth with his rifle. Apaches are probably the finest fighting men America has produced. They need blue-eyed Newman to fight their battles for them. According to this film, they did. So he's going through and kind of pointing out these hypocrisies. Mm. Um, Yeah. Some of you may look at these five examples and think I'm stretching things a bit, that my charges... The films point white supremacy aren't valid. That's the whole point. If I'm making a stretch, then the folks who see racial and ethnic stereotypes in The Phantom Menace are making leaps of logic so far afield that they can't even be measured in light years. Well, let me ask you. When you watched this movie and you saw Jar Jar Binks, did you think that he was a stereotype of a Rastafarian? Do you think... Because I did think they were pulling... I thought they were trying to make him sound either Caribbean rastafarian like they maybe um a pigeon like what What do you what do you think
1: i thought it suck uh because like i said earlier with george lucas trying to peel more of children he designed a character that was really goofy and um and i i never thought of him as being you know a minstrel character as the the article we read earlier said this was something that came out, and a lot of people were being told, "Oh, it's a racist character." And people are like, oh, "Well, I, I guess I guess he is, because I that never crossed my mind. He's a goofy alien that does stupid things in a goofy movie about you know people with lightsabers fighting robots and other things. I mean, it, it's it, it's something that never would have crossed my mind, absent of people just. Talking about saying bringing it. it up,
0: saying that, yeah, yeah. Sonora Baptiste in the chat says the same. He says not at all. Just a goofy character, Jar Jar was. Well, let me clarify because somebody says if you thought Jar Jar was racist, something, something. No, I, I didn't think he was. I didn't think the character was racist. Not at all. And I didn't think I didn't think it was menstrually or whatever. I just thought mm-hmm. in trying to develop the writers or whoever, when trying to develop a, a language for this alien, they drew upon. They drew upon the language of it, I, I thought it was influenced by Rastafarian language, like language pattern of speaking. But there's yeah, nothing racist like it, about that. Yeah, you can, right. You can draw on any language and and to try and come up with an alien like, oh, what would, what might this sound like? You're mm-hmm. limited in your capacity as humans to think of new things, you know. Right. So, I mean, you
1: can look at the designs, particularly for the Star Wars prequels actually wrote to one of the uh, designers, uh, Doug Chang, for the you prequels. And he wrote me back, yeah. Um, but uh, you can look at uh, how much of the influence for a lot of these uh, things in the original or the prequels was inspired by other cultures. Like, for instance, the um, robots for the Trade Federation were in, they're inspired by African masks. So if you look at these robots, you know they have those long faces. Mm-hmm. It, if you look at our African mask, it looks a lot like that. Uh, you can look at nabu that was inspired by you know architecture in turkey istanbul and uh, other things around the world and so they took inspiration from different parts of the world so yeah i could see that factoring into the aliens but when does it come across as them making fun of that culture correct it's more of an amalgamation of different parts of you know the poor global culture different parts of the the world kind of mixed together to make its own thing and i don't think the intent was to make fun of any part of the, the, the world
0: your microphone's doing that thing again
1: why where... does it do this okay i'm gonna, I'm gonna leave I'm leave, gonna be leave and come
0: back okay i'll All read right. some super I'll chats back. <laughs> come back don't leave All me right. okay <laughs> chris needs a reboot they say yes he does um you guys we're gonna be able to get a new microphone for mystery chris soon i'm very excited so hopefully this won't happen anymore okay this is not a super chat i'm just gonna highlight this because it's from my love my husband is here he says darth vader ginsburg which that's pretty funny (laughs) that should be the, the name of a dog if if i get ever get a second dog darth vader ginsburg okay um Matt Deckard, thank you for the super chat again. He says Disney uses prescribed racism like a backfire. Is that better? Yes. Yeah. I'm not sure what this super chat means.
1: The voice of is- the problem? Huh? Misa fixed the voice the problem.
0: Oh god.
1: That'd I would love right. if like someone like edited in like Amos and Andy. Right there. <laughs> <laughs> um, Meisel just stepped on some Banner
0: <laughs> That sounds like Yosemite Sam.
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> so does.
0: <laughs> Sonora Baptiste. Thank you, sir. Gives a super child of 20 bucks. He says, all of this race nonsense. These people sound like childish imbeciles that have no personality or gravitas. I love Star Wars. Only six films and look forward to the day it rises from the decay it's been abused on aka disney thank you that's an excellent super chat um nicole pratt thank you lady uh she says why aren't there remakes of say steel magnolias or i don't know nine to five with all men good question seems like if they're gonna do ghostbusters gender bend they should go the other way shout out to dolly Yes. Why is that? Why do you think, Chris? Why haven't we seen steel magnolias with all fellas?
1: Because they can't find any talented uh, male actors that can live up to the Uh, original. I see. Yeah. They don't care. They don't (laughs) care about
0: doing an all-male steel magnolias. And G-Man, hello, G-Man. He says the CIA is hiding. The, the pound number, of ghost, number, of number, oh, hiding the number of ghost re- related deaths.
1: Yeah, ghosts and aliens, they're hiding everything. Chupacabra.
0: I can't tell if he's being serious <laughs> 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 because you know, I we I joke that G Man is a, is a fed,
1: <laughs> <laughs> it's fed ghost coasting. Huh?
0: sounds like something a fed would say as a joke <laughs> okay well he has to type all. in do you want to blow up a building after that <laughs> no
1: <laughs> is uh, hard.
0: okay so where were we before your microphone went kaputs
1: uh, yeah so we were just uh finishing up that jar jar stuff and um let's see what other articles did i had I have one article. Do you want to? Yeah, why not? Let's, let's. We're having fun tonight. Let's bring it up. Uh, okay. So can you bring up the Vox article?
0: I knew you were going to say that.
1: And...
0: Oh, this woman.
1: I know. I know. Okay. <laughs> I hear that train.
0: Mm. Oh, you can hear the train? Yeah. I also met this woman in my days of woke.
1: Which so you okay. did meet, Melissa Harris her? Perry. Yes. yes, yes, we
0: did something with her when we were down in um, New Orleans. Uh, the comedian I worked with at the time, Kamal Bell. Yeah, the train's pretty loud here, guys.
1: <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> okay. But uh, yes, uh, Melissa Harris Perry, also known as the female Michael Eric Dyson, she had a show. I, I guess. It's no longer an MSNBC. I don't watch MSNBC, but I assume it's not all anymore because I never hear anyone talk about her anymore. But about uh, 2015, that's where this article came out, she made headlines when she claimed that Star Wars was racist because Darth Vader was black. Uh, he was voiced by a black guy, but he was dressed all and black, and the film was somehow advocating for that. And So this Vox article talks about that, and I uh, only want to read a little bit of it because you know they they they're criticizing her, but then of course since it's Fox, they gotta criticize some right wing people. So they, then they start talking about Milo Yiannopoulos for some reason. I don't know why, but but anyway,
0: this this was 2015. That's when everybody was attacking Milo Yiannopoulos because yeah. he was having such an impact culturally. And I remember they attacked him for his criticism of Ghostbusters, which we mentioned, and they, it was because he I think he was having a cultural impact. Or, or at least people thought he was having a cultural impact on on the election that was kicking into
1: gear. Right. So uh, it goes, at what point did the nation succumb to Star Wars mania? Was it when Star Wars branded oranges arrived in, at the supermarket, when Carrie Fisher sardonically smashed an interview with Google, uh, Good Morning America, when a fan put forth the theory that Jar Jar Binks is trained to use the force, Or was it over the weekend when MSNBC host Melissa Harris-Paris declared Star Wars racist because Darth Vader did evil things as a black man, but was then revealed to be a white man when he crossed over to the good side before dying? (laughs) Harris-Paris wasn't joking. Indeed, she was very serious. The upcoming release of Star Wars The Force Awakens is a worldwide monumental event. It's also become the opportunity for people to open their mouths and say really ridiculous things and for the media to pounce. Harris-Paris assertion that Star Wars is a racist movie is currently a story that people can't stop talking about. To be clear, Star Wars franchise has faced plenty of criticism for predominantly featuring white dudes as Lando and Leia are the only human characters in the original films who are not white men. The prequels made a concerted uh, attempt to include more people of color, but Perry wanted to make a different point. During Saturday's, Saturday's episode of her show, she was quick to express her frustration with the whole Darth Vader situation problem where he was totally a black guy whose name basically was James Earl Jones. And while he was a black, he was terrible and bad and awful and used to cut off white men's hands and didn't, you know, actually claim his son. But as soon as he claims his son and goes over to the good, he takes off his mask and he's white. Yes, I have many, many feelings about that. Harris Paris is correct in linking James Earl Jones to the character of Darth Vader, as Jones provided Vader's voice. And yes, James Earl Jones is black. Oh, really? Uh, but the character was physically portrayed on screen by a white man named David Prowse. And in Star Wars Episode five, The Empire Strikes Back, the movie containing the scene where Vader chops off white man's hand. There's a scene where Vader is seen from behind without his helmet. He has pinkish white skin.
0: So he looked white when he chopped the hand off that she's talking about.
1: Yep. But facts don't matter to these people. Perry created a false narrative to fit her claim about racism in Star Wars. Given Harris-Paris the benefit of doubt, there's absolutely symbolism in the fact that Vader was wears black and is evil. In literally history, uh, literary history, the color black was come to represent evil with white representing goodness and purity. But Harris-Paris doesn't take into account the that the Imperial Stormtroopers are also evil and they wear white. Plus, she doesn't even mention Senator Palpatine, the scariest and most evil man in the Star Wars franchise who commits lots of bad deeds and is a wrinkly old white man. Harris, Paris does, Harris Perry doesn't point, uh, doesn't stand up to the facts. However, that hasn't stopped it from gaining momentum online, particularly in conservative circles. And then they go on to start talking about conservatives because it's Fox, and that's what they got to do. But uh, I remember when she said that, and I remember thinking how ridiculous it was. And to the point of what the article is saying, just ignoring all these uh, clues, you know, things in the movies that he wasn't black. And and when I was reading this article, it got me thinking: were there any people who watched Darth Vader in 1977 and thought there was a he was black, like literally thought he was black?
0: <laughs> no, because
1: <laughs> like she's saying this, like you know, decades later as, you know, it was supposed to be black, but it's, it's absolutely ridiculous. There's no evidence of it. But I was like, if there's anyone who was dumb enough to, like, in that context of not having the Empire Strikes Back come out yet, where it shows that he's, you know, Luke's father? Like, was there anyone who legitimately thought he was black? <laughs> no,
0: I don't think so. Um, you, no. It, the whole thing is dumb, <laughs> as it, it wouldn't make any sense. But he's Luke's father. I mean, Yes. It just doesn't. Anyway, she's exactly, <laughs> the, exactly the person who would say that. Although I don't know if you remember this. I had forgotten about this until you started reading this article. Do you remember back before? Okay. You guys on Twitter, I know everybody follows who's the, the fake SJW Titania McGrath, Titania oh, yeah. McGrath, who's hilarious. And it's a, it's a man who plays her Andrew Doyle and, and, over the years, people have taken her, her, her tweets. They think she's a real social justice warrior. A lot of people, it's hilarious, and she just says the most over the top things. Okay, before Titania McGrath, there was someone else who was doing this. I, Godfrey Elfwick. Do you guys remember Godfrey Elfwick? Do you? Mm-hmm. Do you, Mr. No, yes? it's okay. not the seven up, Godfrey. No, it was a fake SJW on Twitter who was doing the same thing Titania does, except it was a, a man, although he claimed to be a trans race Muslim bl- black woman. And he he was... They ended up uh, being outing him. Someone outed him, and it was... It was a woman who was writing his stuff. It was hilarious. You know, it's funny because a man does Titania McGrath, but a woman was doing Godfrey Elfwick. <laughs> anyway, one of the many things he did because he was a troll, he got permabanned from Twitter eventually. He was too funny, he was too good. But here's this article from around the same time, 2015. And it was when Godfrey Elfwick was contacted by or contacted the BBC and did an interview. And they, they were totally fooled into thinking Godfrey was a real person. Did a whole interview about how it's the exact same thing Melissa Harris-Perry was saying in seriousness.
2: <laughs>
0: okay. <laughs> saying that Darth Vader was racist. I'm going to bring this up. This is great. So you haven't seen this? No, I haven't. <laughs>
1: okay.
0: Oh, my goodness. Okay. You guys. Godfrey. You have to look up Godfrey Elfwick. Okay. This is a piece from the Guardian. Star Wars <laughs> <laughs> Star Wars is, quote, unbelievably racist, claims hoaxer on BBC radio. So this is after they found out it was a hoax. Um, <laughs> World Service show featured, quote, student Godfrey Elfwick uh, denounce uh, claiming Darth Vader is a re- really bad racial stereotype and the films feature a horny space slug. Um, the BBC fell victim to a hoaxer and a phone-in discussion of this new Star Wars movie, describing the films as, quote, rooted in homophobia and casual racist stereotypes in which the only female ends up in a space bikini chained, chained to a horny space slug. <laughs> and then, this is the best. They quoted they quoted Godfrey Elfwick. They didn't realize Godfrey Elfwick was satirical. They quoted one of his uh, uh, tweets where he said, uh, I've never actually seen Star Wars, but the fact that the bad guy was all black and ate watermelons was unbelievably racist, even <laughs> for his 70s. <laughs>
1: Luke, join me. Eat watermelon with me, Luke. Elfwick described C-3PO.
0: Eat watermelon with me. Alphonse described C3PO as a quote, camp neurotic coward, and Darth Vader as a bad racial stereotype. Then they have a they've embedded a YouTube video here where you could see what one of Godfrey's profile pictures used to look like on Twitter before <laughs> he was permaband. And he says he's a demisexual, genderqueer, Muslim, atheist, literal, good guy, inner, jugular, pronouns are zers, zers, zerself, filters life through the lens of minority issues. <laughs> now this guy was doing this seven, eight years ago. Okay. Really, really early. This was one of the people <laughs> this person bla- like they com- you know, trailblazer for and McGrath, all the different kinds of SJW satire. Godfrey Elfwick. I used to read this Twitter feed back when I was a closeted. Mm-hmm. I was like coming out of the social justice cult. But I wasn't yet writing about it or talking about it. I was still in that that I was too afraid. I was still in that phase of fear. But I would read this Twitter account and just die laughing because it was well, so spot on. But it's anyway. funny,
1: it seems like a sign at times the fact that they felt that this was noteworthy back then for someone to make a claim like this and then yes. turns out to be fake. But now you see lots of people making claims like this, but they're serious.
2: They're serious. They,
1: they're not doing it to be funny, even though <laughs> they may not fully believe what they're saying. They know they, they can get attention and maybe you know propel themselves. Up the social and professional ladder, if their articles or books saying these crazy things catch on. Yes.
0: Yes. It, it's like everything that used to be satire is now real. That's mm. why it's harder to do satire because they really say this stuff now.
1: It's hard to tell. <laughs> like, it's you read stuff, you're tell. like, can't tell this person. Like, uh, <laughs> uh, speaking of Star Wars, did you ever see the solo movie? No. So there's a droid in there called L3 and uh, the droid is voiced by Phoebe Waller-Bridge. So she's the writer of Fleabag and she co-wrote the n- newest James Bond film. She's like a very proud feminist. Did and she
0: star in Fleabag?
1: I think, I don't, I think I didn't watch that. I don't oh, okay. Know. I it's just good. know of it, but, but then uh, in, in this uh, solo movie, there's a uh, robot that Milando may be having sexual relations with because they're people talking about it possibly being what did they call it was a robo sexual pants I don't know I get the sexuals confused but anyway this robot was like this Joyce rights activist okay. I remember watching this movie not being able to tell if were they making fun of SJWs or were they actually like think this was a actual good thing you know interesting storyline because like the robot like sets other robots free and it's like making the speech like robots have to be free. It's like this goofy over the top speech. And I just cracked up when I was watching this film. <laughs> I was like, this has they, they have to be parodying. H-A-Dobies. But no, it's Disney. Of course. Not, and it's Fever Waller Bridge. Why would she go along with that?
0: They're pro- Yeah, it's probably not parody.
1: <laughs> so they the think top. they're
0: making a good. It's like a George Lucas, as you said, supposedly wanted the Ewoks to represent the Vietnamese. It's like that. She really thinks she's making a good point. Mm -hmm. Like, let me use these droids to represent a minority. You know, maybe people can see it if I do it in this way. Right. Right. It's so on the nose. I hate that stuff.
1: (laughs) Uh, But the only other articles I had was uh, one talking about the Moses Ingram stuff, which we already kind of went over. We don't have to do that. Okay. I thought this one might make you laugh. <laughs> I <get> no, it. <laughs> okay. well, uh, But um, there's another article. We don't have to pull this article up uh, either, mm-hmm. but article talks about John Boyega who played Finn in the new um, Star Wars prequel or not prequel, trilogy, the Disney trilogy. And he's, he's black. And he, after the uh, trilogy concluded, he just ripped Disney and he was accusing Disney of being racist uh, for not prominently featuring his character and Kelly Marie Tran's character. She's Asian. And um, I thought it was ridiculous, but there was truth in it. Because I will say, if you remember hearing the story about when Star Wars, uh, they released posters in China, they shrunk his picture yes. to be very small because, you know, a lot of Chinese people don't like black people and think we're ugly. So I think there's some truth in them not wanting to fully embrace, you know, black people in terms of the, uh, these roles for protagonists in these big blockbuster movies for fears that it's not going to appeal to um, foreign markets like China. And so I think that's one reason why we got. You know, um, Daisy Ridley's character, Ray, as the main protagonist. That and the fact that feminism is kind of the main portion of social justice that's really in control of Hollywood right now. But I I think there is truth, some truth in what he said and Disney not wanting to really live up to the claims of being diverse and valuing, you know, people of color.
0: Because of their overseas...
1: Yeah, I think it's more money it's rather than them money. You know, not liking him as a black person. I think they just love money. They love green.
0: Yes. I think you're right about that. Okay, are we going to watch one of these videos?
1: Yeah. Uh, so let's watch all of them. They're very short. Um, they're all Darth Vader themed and they're funny because I thought we'd go out and do some some funny stuff. Um, so I don't know which video I have. The first clip, I think I put them in the order I want to watch. I don't know. We'll find out, but
0: Okay, let's see if I can make this larger. I love when you do this when you surprise me with videos.
1: <laughs> good.
0: <laughs>
1: <clears throat> so, yeah, this first one, I think if, the, if I remember which one I put in there, uh, it's an oldie. They're all old, actually, but they're still good. Very, very good. Can you see that? Uh, there we go. Yeah, so this is one of my favorites from... Fifteen years ago. That is so stupid. I love that. They took that. did you see episode three? Uh,
0: uh,
2: Star I
1: don't Wars remember. episode. Oh, at the very end when um, uh, he turns it to Vader. Uh, emperor palpatine tells him that his wife was killed and he goes no i remember laughing that's like on par with the uh con line from star trek into darkness where spock after captain kirk dies screams "Con!" it's on the same <laughs> level i just laughed and shook my head at both times i watched
0: is it movies. kind of like adrian
1: <laughs> this is but this is cringe both of them are cringe okay uh so, pull up the second one, please. Another Darth Vader.
0: I don't think I've seen any of these. Oh, really? Okay. Is P.B. Herman in any of these?
1: <laughs> no. There's probably a video out there that exists about in it, though. I love that ship. That's probably my favorite ship from the original. Because, you know, I'm a big ship guy. The Executor. I love my favorite one.
3: What is it, General? My lord, the fleet has moved out of light speed. Comscan has detected an energy field.
2: Comscan has detected an energy field. Protecting a- <laughs> <laughs> this is so stupid. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that was good. Oh, yeah.
1: Thank you. And got one more. Okay.
0: <laughs> That's one of my
1: favorite videos. This kind of stuff is why the internet was created.
0: This is why the internet's good.
1: Thank <laughs> you, CIA.
0: What what's the CIA say?
1: No, I was just saying that because uh the military, CIA, and all that worked on the internet. So at least we got that. They may be tracking and surveilling us, but at least I got funny videos, damn it. Okay, I had to wait for the ad to
0: stop. This is the last one. I hope you're enjoying these as much as me.
3: Just for once, let me look on you with my own eyes. (laughs)
2: I don't know.
1: Because it always looked like a harmonica. I liked it. But.
0: I see. No, I like it too. I just, I got, in the roller coaster of laughter, I hit yeah. the, the peak with that second one and then it went. Like, ah.
1: <laughs> right. I got one more bonus one. Let's okay. put it in chat. <laughs> Let's
0: see. Are people posting some of these? I can't see the chat. Are they sending you? No. <laughs> okay. Are we trying to get the laughter level back up?
1: We'll try. We we don't don't know what's going to happen. We don't know. We don't know. (laughs) We don't know. (laughs) Subjective.
0: It is. It is subjective.
3: (laughs) In a future that grows ever closer, the fate of our galaxy will lie in the hands of one man, a solitary warrior scientist of great courage. His name is Creepio and he is called the Maker. His enemies will emerge from the underworld to test his strength. Jarok, the Aquatic Warlord of the Sea People. The Mindbender Morganus, half-man, (laughs) half-politician. And Father, the man who gave him life and then left him to die. They will utilize their cruelest weapons. They will exploit their most mysterious powers, (laughs) as they create an epic, non-stop action movie that will challenge your senses. And they will do all of this for you in 3D. destruction of father in 3d
0: is that huh
1: oh you missed that part but anyway don't matter oh. uh, what were you gonna say
0: um is that one funny because it's like a, making a fake movie out of all the clips
1: yeah so that's a clip from uh Nuts. i guess how you say it so it's a youtube channel they do these dubs where they take uh each m- movie um all the way up to the force awakens and they put like different voice in a whole new storyline around it. It's pretty funny. You got to watch it in the context. context
0: Also I apologize because my, I mean, I think what we we are learning from doing this show together is that uh, the sillier, the better
2: (laughs) for me. (laughs)
0: You like the more highbrow humor. I'm like the one where he's like closing and opening the door. I'm like, that's That's all I need. (laughs) (laughs) So, so silly. Um, Well, thank you so much. Did I miss any, I I see there's a spammer, a porn spammer in the chat. I just got rid of that guy. Sorry. Uh,
1: Oh, how am I going to click on it now?
0: Yeah. And somebody's asking if you're in the chat.
1: Oh, I'm not. I don't even know how to. How do I get that? <laughs> oh, there's this spam. Oh, there they are. Yeah. Oh. you go into that comment
0: section there.
1: This is like an honor, like yeah. the fact that they value our channel enough to to spam the chat. Oh, it's to cool. spam
0: us, yeah, naked something, mm. bro, cheapest Tinder something. <laughs> anyway, okay. Thank you guys for hanging out with us tonight. I hope that even those of you who don't know a lot about Star Wars enjoyed it and learned some things like I did. And those of you who really love Star Wars, hopefully were entertained. And uh, anyway, if you like this coming out with us next Wednesday night, Wednesday night is when we do our live show all about pop culture with your hosts, Mystery Chris and myself. And sometimes we have guests and that's it. You're watching Deprogram with Carrie Smith. Anything else we should say?
1: Uh something cheesy like may the force be with you. May well, the force be with you.
0: Say it. Okay, one more time. <laughs>